Last week, Rabzilla introduced you to a concept where you can both read the article and listen to the interview in podcast form. The story was an introduction to Derek Minor and his album The Trap. Today's story dives into the actual album song by song as we cover the first seven tracks. Minor lets us all into his meticulous thought process and vision behind each of these tracks. Topics range from what the trap actually is, what kind of desperation makes someone commit crimes, and how segregation ruined millions of lives. Please feel free to listen, read, or follow along. Also note that in a few instances, words were omitted for reading clarity purposes. Enjoy. We're talking about the intro. I intentionally made it beautiful at the beginning. So it's live streams, pianos, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, and I intentionally made it that because everyone's life, life is a beautiful thing. God gives it to us. It's like, man, God brings us into this world. And for most of us, we have this innocence in how we see the world, right? That's everyone. Right. Now, for some of us, that innocence, we... The, so the, when the drum drops, that's the loss of innocence when we're talking musically. You see what I mean? So it goes, Yeah. it's kind of this dark ballad that is uh, beautiful musically, but then when you listen to the words, they're horrifying. Like, blow your brains out on Facebook Live. Like, I was actually inspired by that line from, uh, I remember seeing this, uh, there was an older man on Easter who was walking home and a guy walks up to him. Boom! Blows his brain oh, out. That's yeah, yeah. I actually that's that's what inspired that line. Um, the rent due is the Most High. That's a double entendre. So the Mama told us that we need God, but the rent due is the Most High. The trap. So the rent due is like, hey, yes, the rent is due. It's really high, but it's also the rent is due. It feels like it's God. You see what I'm saying? Like, mama told mm -hmm. us that we need God, but right now, my God is getting his rent paid. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's a double entendre in that sense, but it's beautiful. And then, boom, the drums hit. And then you hear, yeah, I know a couple dealers and a couple gangbangers. That's the realization of what reality is for some people. It's the loss of that innocence. And and, and it was actually, you know, it was a loss of, loss of, it was to me. And then you get to the end, it talks about, um, I say, uh, by the way, they said, when you get paid and you get a little fame and everything changes, but I can't tell, I still feel the same because every time I'm in the store, the police watching me. So that, this is actually when I get personal, not just, uh, just overall, but I actually talk about myself because at the level that I'm at as an artist, I'm successful in the sense that I own my own business. Uh, I do, I work for myself for a living. I live in a very, uh, I live in a, a very nice neighborhood, and um, I mean, I no, no one in my neighborhood has ever necessarily bothered me. But everybody, you could just tell they all have been trying to figure out what I do. You know what I mean? And and it's just, mm -hmm. it's the like what I'm talking about as far as in the the music portion is, you know, I still have people lock their doors when I'm walking past them. Uh, in a, in a you know at night or something like you still have the uh, the cashiers or the people in the stores following me around the store being overly helpful like can I help you with something can I help you with something can I help you with something like literally I was at uh, I was at a store not too long ago and I'm just watching the lady at the uh, the front cashier like 
everywhere I go, she doesn't let me out of her sight. And it's just kind of like, it's, it's that idea. Or I remember a couple years ago when I was, actually when I was working on Minerville. So, um, and Joseph Pelosny, who was the A&R at the time, can attest to this. We're in, yeah. in, in a studio, in a, um, in, in a studio that I'm paying to rent. It's a building I'm paying to rent, but it was in a storage unit. Uh, kind of like a heated and uh, air storage unit, and uh, there was a, a lady that was living on prim- on the premises, and um, you know, she said the music was too loud. Uh, the the manager, so she says the music is way too loud. It's too loud. So we cut it down, um, and I guess it wasn't to her liking. So she comes down, and she tells she starts cussing. She's saying, "Get the f out of here." Like I told you it was too loud, you're done. Get the F out of here. Now taking consideration, I'm paying for this space. And right. when I rented it, they knew it was for a studio. And there were hours that she said I couldn't operate in. And I was operating within those hours. I was operating within the hours I'm supposed to be there. So this right, wasn't right. this wasn't two in the morning. This is ten in the evening. So she doesn't know Joseph's in the in the unit with me. So I come out, I I, I close the door. I come out and the ladies, when I say cussing me out, like it's, it's a, it's a older white, it's a white lady. She's probably in her late thirties, uh, maybe early forties. She's not that old. People think, you know, that's an older, she's, she's late, you know, late thirties, early forties. And she's like, listen, I have a gun and I'm talking to her like, ma'am, listen, it's fine. But I guess she assumed cause I'm a rapper that, you know, she had to kind of flex. So she's like, I have a gun. I'll, if you want, if you have a problem, we have a problem. Like, we can handle it right now. Like, she's going off. And Joseph literally had his, his video taping. He's, he's audio recording the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And he just couldn't believe that this lady was so aggressive with me. And it's just, that's, that's, that kind of sums up the whole idea, even with myself. Like, I'm like, if y'all knew I was a Christian rapper, like... I'm like I'm the least threat to you that you would ever that you could ever have. I'm the least threatening person. Like I don't I don't you know I love God. I love Jesus. I, your kids might even listen to my music, <laughs> you know. But uh, so that's kind of what the the idea I was capturing at the end of the song. And then God bless the trap. What I'm saying is, you know, yeah. often I allude to that at the end of the song. But what I'm saying is, you know, oftentimes. Uh, we we look at people that are poor or look at, you know, these drug dealers and say, especially Christians, which is weird, but they'll say things like, man, they should just get their life together. But we forget that it was God that had to insert himself into our life for us to get ours together, not not the opposite. We didn't get our life together and then God started working with us. So, you know, I, I I've seen this crazy thing with the church that it feels as though we don't it feels as though rather than us saying, man, God bless people that are that are broken, bless people that are hurting, bless them to be able to see who you are, we curse them. And so I want it to be like, instead of saying, you know, let's curse the trap, these people have no value, let's say God bless the trap, let's change their life. Right. You know what I mean? So that's the whole idea of mm-hmm. that. Oh, last part on God bless the trap. It's featuring Fizzle and, um, and Tony, Tony Tillman. Tillman. And yeah. I specifically picked those people out to feature on this song because when I think of 
uh, selfless individuals or people that have come from an environment like that, that, that have turned their whole life around and God has really uh, blessed them to be a, uh, a pillar of good in our community. Those are the two people I think of. Um, if you would, if they were to tell you their story, where they came yeah. from and where they're at now, when you met them, if you would have met them during the time that you know that they were in that world, you you would have thought they could never be where they are today. And you look at a person like Dizzle, who's a huge humanitarian. You look at Tony Tillman, who is, uh, I mean, is is one of the best rappers that I know. And uh, amazing husband, amazing father, and a huge asset to to the community, uh, just at large, the world at large, but a huge asset to even his local community, uh, mentoring people and all those different things. Uh, I specifically chose them, not just because they're amazing, but because of, you know, they are a picture of what I see for every person. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Yep. So, right, so Robin, 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 yeah. Robin. So uh, it's multiple layers to that. Like what, what I wanted to show in this song was one, people don't often choose the situations they're in, they're given to them. So um, open up the fridge, open up the fridge. Ain't nothing but old milk and rice in here. It's the idea of a person wakes up in the morning, the most bare necessity is good, nutritious food. Uh, but in in most poor environment, I mean, I mean, you think about it like the worst food is the cheapest food. Yeah, <laughs> it's always the cheapest. So it's just I want to capture that whole idea that just the bare necessity for most people that the things we take for granted, some people don't have when they open the fridge. So um, and after a while, you know, that begins to weigh on you, and the question of Robin is what makes someone so desperate that they would do something like rob a store? And that's actually based off of um, a, a true story. It's not a true story, but in a sense, what inspired that was my wife, is she's a pharmacist and someone mm -hmm. robbed a store in her area. And I told her, listen, if somebody robs your pharmacy, give them whatever they want. Uh, but the pharmacy she works for, you're, that's a that's a lot. I mean, that, that's a ninety nine point nine percent fail rate because as soon as you, as soon as you you know rob the store, they hit the button, and the cops are there in thirty seconds because it's yeah. a pharmacy. So the question is, most people know that. So what's the desperation that would make someone say, "I'm going to go in and rob a pharmacy"? And I start. That's what got my my mind thinking about this. Okay. So. Um. The first verse is a man that that um that's that desperate. He goes on a on a you know a mission and he, he gets arrested. So now we have this man who has who says, I look at my kids and I gotta go make I gotta feed my kids. So I'm gonna go do something that is illegal and almost irrational. If you listen to the second verse, the second verse is his son. So it starts off the same. Open up the fridge, open up the fridge. Ain't nothing but old milk and rice. Again, my mama on dope and she ain't uh, here. What we spend to do, my daddy in the pen. Well, his dad went to the jail in the first uh, verse. So then now this kid picks the same thing his dad picked, 
not because of not because he looked up to him, but he thinks, well, my mom's on drugs, my dad's in jail, I gotta take care of my sibling. So now it's desperation. Out of desperation, he goes and picks the same thing. You know, now the average person would say, hey, why don't he just go to college, go to school, try to get a regular <laughs> job? Well, <laughs> college is cool. <laughs> uh, usually in these environments, there's not a lot of jobs that pay anything that, that that is significant. But when you're hungry now, going to to school or going to, uh, you know, going to college, that doesn't matter to someone that's 13. And when you talk to a lot of these kids, people that are that are drug dealers, they didn't start selling drugs when they were 18. They didn't say, you know what, I'm 18 years old. I can either go to college or I can sell drugs. It's like, that's not usually how it happens. How it normally happens is someone's 12 or 13 and someone they know might say, hey, run this pack across the street for 50 bucks. And then you do that a couple of times and then you just kind of fall into that lifestyle. You know what I mean? Yeah. So mm -hmm. um, oftentimes that's kind of the scenario. So I wanted to to show the challenges here. So, but it's a, I mean, the whole song is a double entendre. Um, well, then also another aspect of the song is uh, who is the actual hero? Because to the regular society now, to regular society, they would look and say, this man is, both of these two are a family full of burglars or, or thieves that, uh, uh, you know, a group of thieves that they don't care uh, about themselves and they're poor and, and they just want to wreak havoc. But to the families that they're going to, su to, to support with this lifestyle, they're heroes. So it says, uh, you know, in the, in the last verse, I say, uh, uh, I'm going to save us all. I'm going to save us all. I got this mask on my face. So that's the idea, you know, with the, who's the real hero? Is it, the, mm -hmm. you know, to, to, the, to the sibling that the older brother's going out robbing a store or whatever, um, he's a hero in, in the eyes of that child. Um, but then to the judge, that guy's the villain. So, right. There's that, and then the double entendre of Robin ain't no Batman. Oh, I guess I'm Robin. So there's no one here to save us. So I guess I'm gonna be the hero and do it. Or there's no one here to save us. So I guess I'm gonna pick my gun out and go rob somebody. Robin, Robin. Right. And the next track is "It Is What It Is." It is what it is. That actually transpired from a conversation. I've had with somebody that's really, really close to me that uh, sells drugs. And uh, we were just talking about it. And he's like, man, you know how it is, man. Like, you know, it's no jobs, no nothing. And it was a perspective of it is what it is. He's like, hey, this is the game. This is the hand that was dealt. I got to deal with this. I got to, this is where I'm at. And it just kind of broke my heart because one, I didn't have an answer. Like, as far as options, like, for this person, I didn't have an answer to be able to say, no, you know, you don't have to do that. Here, just go to this place with you barely graduating high school with no college degree. Like, there's not many jobs you can get, especially where he lives at. So um, just the idea of someone just saying, you know what, this is the life that I have and accepting it. it is what it is. And I wanted to tell, I wanted to say, 
what would that person, I want, if that person had an opportunity to speak with the world, what would he say? He or she say? And that's what it is, what it is, is me kind of, I guess, putting, putting, uh, you know, words to that, those emotions. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then uh, you have Nothing to Something featuring Propaganda and Aaron Cole. Right. So I'm a, I'm a huge Monopoly player. And um, it's, uh, I mean, the way we play the rules is before you can buy property, you have to roll the dice um, and, and get around the board once. So, I mean, that could take 10 rolls or that could take, you know, it could take, you could get a, you can get an advance to go collect $200 on the first roll and then you can buy property right after that. Mm -hmm. Well, for, um, in America, because of things like slavery, which I mean, literally set us back financially, like there's a video of, um, there's a video of. Um, Martin Luther King talking about how uh, after the uh, Civil War, how America, you know, taught farmers how to farm, also gave them grants to go to college to learn how to farm, and gave grants for them to buy and purchase equipment uh, for their land, things like that. But when you think about the African American, I mean, after slavery, there's Jim Crow. Uh, sharecropping and things like that. Then after that, you have the privatized prison system. So there's, it's been a road that is, mm -hmm. there's no advance to go is collect $200 and buy property off the first row. But for most uh, white people in America, it's not to say that they have a free lottery ticket. It's just by nature, you start ahead of us, our culture, just from the simple fact that you don't have to fight discrimination. It's the idea of, white privilege, but I, oftentimes when you hear black people talk about white privilege, they talk about it from the perspective of, you know, every white person has got some, some lucky card in their back pocket. Yeah. And that's how people take it and say, you know, white privilege is this. What I wanted to do was talk about it from the other aspect of not, hey, white privilege isn't something that, you know, you're born and then they give you this white privilege card. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, all right, this is your, this is your advance to go collect two hundred dollars. You know, your life is perfect now. Like, no, I don't think any white person that I've talked to can would say their story lines up in that way. But when you look at all of America and you look at um, what is the biggest way to accumulate wealth, it's home ownership. It's uh, it's uh, you know, being even having the right to vote to be able to vote for your for your agenda in your communities like black people haven't experienced that um, flawlessly yet in our country like even right now they're talking about voter suppression in Florida and Georgia and all in multiple other yeah. places in our country mm -hmm. so there's still we're still dealing with with things like that to this very very day so because of that that puts us behind culturally oftentimes um, behind mo most cultures. I mean, when you think about the communities like Black Wall Street, which was a very, like, when you look through history, people, when they think about African-Americans, they think we've 
we've not been together and we've been poor and we had our own kind, but that's not that's not historically accurate. One of the one of the most prominent areas is in uh, Oklahoma, I think it's Tulsa, and they called it Black Wall Street, and it was an area of affluence, and it got it it, it became so affluent. It was black. Uh, it was a black community that became so affluent that they uh, they had their own banking systems and everything, and it was burned to the ground. And any community wow. like that that has that, that has risen, not only was it burned to the ground. I mean, it was police officers that were there helping with the burning to the ground. This is not this is not in the 1800s. This is like the 40s. Wow! Wow! <laughs> so. This is this this is this is in my grandparents' generation. Yeah, my mother remembers desegregation. I mean, this it's the issue is not black people don't want to get it together. The issue is that our laws have have been put in our way for us not to get together. And right. <laughs> not to get it together. Like it's not that it's a choice. No one says I wanna be poor by choice. No one says I wanna like even when you look at privatized prisons, if you think about, I mean, this is just recent in the uh, the New England area. There was a thing called Cash for Kids, where there was actually a judge who was actually sending these kids to prison because he's getting the because he I think he either had stock in a privatized Crazy. prison or something was happening, which he's actually sentencing these kids over sentencing them, sentencing them because he's profiting from them being in prison. Like that is slavery. That's insane. <laughs> that is that is that is systematic. That is not at the that's not a, at the choice level. That's systematic. Um, so, and the more you do that, that's the more fathers that are behind pr- that are right, in prison right. and things of that nature. So, nothing to something is just showing the idea. For most successful people, we don't have. I don't have a a family that even. Has I, you know, my family didn't have an inheritance. My my dad didn't have any sort of an, anything to give to me. Uh, no resources, no connections, and um, that's most of us. Most of us have had to go literally from nothing to something, mm-hmm. and and that's not that's not when we're talking culturally. Um, I mean, I think they say that every, a, a black person with the same education of a white person make half of what that white person makes or or even less. So when you think of think of it in that picture, that's what we're talking about when we're talking about privilege. And it wasn't from a perspective of, hey, every white person gets this uh this uh advanced to go advanced right, white right, privilege right. collect two hundred dollars card. But it's the idea of let's talk you can't look at a person's life without looking at the history of the culture that they've been a part of. Right. Um, so now you have, of course, the track, of course. Yeah. Of course was just really me just kind of, um, kind of just almost celebrating for myself. Like, you know, like I came out the bottom, of course, you know, like for, for myself, like, man, God has put me in a position Mm -hmm. to be able to take care of my family, own my own business. And it was really kind of one of those things to be able to like celebrate the blessings, you know? That God has allowed me, because uh, oftentimes they they have a thing called uh, I think they call it survivor's guilt, which is for a lot of Black people because of the context we came from, 
once you become, you know, once you leave that context, there's 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 a thing that some people call survivor's remorse or survivor's guilt, where it's like you feel guilty for surviving. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's kind of like uh, if you if you were to, to Google that's a huge story on uh, long long story study on that, but um, like for myself. You know, I often experience that at times, but I want to just take this record and just really thank God for just bringing me from out the bottom. So, okay. And then next yeah. is man. Man, so uh, it's really the most like this is the machismo record. A lot of times we we you know you ask the person what is a man, and they have no clue what it is. And this is really me you know, talking about like, I am made in God's image. I am a man and I deserve a certain level. Like I'm given a God given set of, you know, since I'm made in his image, that adds a degree of value. So it's mm-hmm. me talking about that value uh, for every man and what, what it aspires to. So a lot of times people, when they have, you know, when they don't have, you know, Jesus as the portrait of what humanity, what, what a man is being made in the image of God, and when I say man, I'm talking man and woman. Like we all right. have value. Like mankind. All have equal mankind. Like it's like when I look in the mirror, all I see is, you know, the last line is look inside the mirror, all I see revolutionary Jesus or T'Challa. So it's like, you know, a revolutionary, like I see the image of God in me, and I see T'Challa, I see a king, I see someone who has uh, you know, limitless much uh potential. So that's kind of what that verse was just to encourage people just in their identity as you know being you know made in the image of god like you have value it's intrinsic like no one can take that from you. it's your it, it's 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 it is your value like it's you have it <laughs> no one mm-hmm. can take it and even if yeah. the world would try to do